You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Today's just a simple standalone message, but I want to talk today about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Has anyone ever heard this phrase before and been very confused, right? Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> My hand's up. So if, if you, maybe you've read it and you're just like, what, what exactly? Because um, God's word says that he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And so many times we hear this phrase, the fear of the Lord, but it can seem like it's contradicting God's word. Like what exactly are we talking about here? The fear of the Lord is not a bad thing, but I can tell you that it creeps into our culture. It can creep into our lives without us even realizing it. In fact, uh, I would say this, that many Christians believe in God, but they live their lives as if he doesn't exist at all. Let me say that again. Many Christians believe in God, but they live their lives, lives as if he doesn't exist at all. And this is what scripture says in Titus 1.16. This is the new living. It says this, people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way that they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. Ugh, that's some harsh language right out the gate, right? Like this is the beginning of the message. Normally you start with a funny story to getting people engaged. I just want to get your attention. The fear of the Lord is a serious thing, okay? They are detestable, disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. That doesn't sound very encouraging, Pastor Dan. Well, here's the thing. This happens right here. People claim they know God. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but they deny him by the way they live. This happens when we lose our reverent fear of the Lord. When we lose it, when we lose track of what does that mean, when we lose track of how we, how we live our lives in comparison to or in complementary to God's word, when we lose that, we can slip into what this verse is talking about. And without even knowing it, we may say to ourselves, this might be even be talking about me. How am I living my life? Am I living my life in such a way that declares the Lord's goodness, right? They say they believe in God, but, but I'm not serving my spouse. I'm, I'm lazy at work. I'm stingy and I'm not generous. I'm letting fear control every decision. How do I live my life? Now, here's what I'm not talking about though in this verse is I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation has nothing to do with how good you are, how well you perform. Salvation is a free gift. However, when we receive that free gift, we have a job to do. I like to say this way, salvation has nothing to do with works, but discipleship has everything to do with works because Jesus commanded us that we would produce much fruit, meaning this, you've freely received, now you need to freely give. You need to get to work and represent me well is what he's saying. So let's talk about what does the fear of the Lord mean? I think it'll, it'll uh, provide some clarity today. The first point is this, if you're taking notes, the fear of the Lord is essential. The fear of the Lord is essential. It's a necessity. It's not just a suggestion. It's not, well, you can have it sometimes and you don't want to have it the other times. The fear of the Lord is essential to your walk with Jesus, as you walk through this life with God, as you walk closely with him, the fear of the Lord is an essential thing. In fact, we see this at the, even at the beginning of the first church in Acts 2. Here's what happened. Acts 2, verse 43. It says, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Then fear came upon every soul. Again, interesting verbiage. Are we talking about physically being afraid of something? No, we're talking about an awe or a... Um, a wowness almost of God and a reverent fear of the Lord came upon the church. And because of that, many wonders, many signs were done. Because of that, God moved in, 
in the, in the church. In fact, the fear of the Lord is essential to the success of the church, and it's, and it's been essential to God's people from the beginning of time. We see it all through Scripture. It's not just a New Testament thing. It's an, it's an all through God's Word type of thing. It's a relational thing. And uh, the, the fear of God is not a bad thing. I think many times we can, we can pose it as a turn or burn. You ever heard that before, right? You better turn or you're going to burn in hell for the rest of your life. Like we can pose the fear of God. We need some, you need the fear of the Lord in you, brother. Like we, we can pose it in such a way where it's like, we're almost um, saying you have to have it. Otherwise you're going to burn in hell. But here's the thing. We need to change our perspective. The fear of God or fear of the Lord is not a bad thing, but it's a righteous thing that is actually full of promises and blessings, I think many times we overlook that. It's full of promises and blessings. Let's get a few verses here. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You ever been in a situation where it's like, I need some help. I don't know what to do. Anybody ever been there before? Like my hands up, right? Like I don't know. I don't, I don't, have, the right, I don't have the right words. I don't know what choice is the right choice to make. I don't know if I should do this or that. Should I take this job, that job? I don't know what to do. I need wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. At any point in your life, you're going to need some wisdom. So if we're going to need wisdom, we're going to need the fear of the Lord. It is going to precede having wisdom. Here's Proverbs 14, 27 says this. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. You ever felt like your life has been static? It's just been a, it's just been a grind. Like I'm not, I'm not happy. I'm not joyful. I'm not experiencing life. Lord, I just feel drained all the time. I just need some refreshment. Where does it start? The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. It's from the inside out. The fear of the Lord gives me fresh life in, in, in my life, in my being. Proverbs 22, 4 says this. True humility and the fear of the Lord leads to riches, honor, and a long life. Does that sound good to anybody? Come on now. Like I'll take the, all three of the last things here. Riches, honor, and a long life. I'll take some of that. But where does it start? It starts with, most importantly, true humility humble myself in the Lord, then the fear of the Lord will lead me to those things. It will prosper my life. It will help God meet my needs in a more efficient way. It will help me walk as a better believer, as a better representative of Jesus Christ. It will help me in every area of my life, and it will promise me and give me a long life. I don't know about you, but that's a good thing. <laughs> that's, that's what I want. I want to be around for a long time. So let's break this down. A simple equation that I heard another pastor use this, and I thought this was so good. What, what exactly is the fear of the Lord? How do we break it down? I would say it this way. Loving God plus respecting God equals fearing God. If we could break it down, like how do I get it or what does it look like in my life? This is a great way to break it down. Loving God plus respecting God equals fearing God. Now, have you ever, uh, whenever you were growing up, did you ever have uh, a teacher or a coach that you really admired, that like tr truly shaped your life, that truly like changed your life, if you would say it that way? Maybe, maybe you had a parent. You had a parent that you just loved and man, you were so close with and they, they were a good parent. They weren't perfect. Not, your coach wasn't perfect. Your parent wasn't perfect, but they were someone you always admired and looked up to. You ever been in that situation? Can you think of somebody right now? I can think of several people. Normally, those people that truly shaped your life as a mentor or as a parent, you had a reverent fear of them. This is how it's supposed to be biblically with, with parents, right? Parents in the room, like, we're not called to be uh, our kids' friends, right? Eventually, sure, when they're grown, when they're adults, but uh, biblically, they need a parent right now when they're kids. They, they need a parent in their life, not a friend. They got friends. They need a parent that they have a reverent fear 
of. Fear is not a bad thing. That what we're talking about, it's not a bad thing. Loving God. Let's break this down for a second. Why do I love God? Simply because he first loved me. Because he showed me such an abundant love. I can't help myself but respond in love to him. Let's look at Romans 5, 8 says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. When I was still stuck in my mess, stuck in my sin, stuck in addiction, when I was, when I, my life was awful, when I was stuck over here, Jesus said, yep, you're still worth it. I will still take all the punishment for you. That's how much he loved us. That's how much God loved you, even in your mess. But can I tell you, going back to the, exa- the example in the natural that parent, that coach, you probably had a deep love for them. Man, I love them. I would do anything for them. Your response, why? Because most likely they showed you love first. They, they invested in you. I, have, I can think of a several coaches who pulled me aside several times and, and just, just gave me their ear. They, they poured into me. They, they encouraged me. They, they propped me up when I was down. They, they, they gave me critique when I needed it. They corrected me when I needed it. But at the end of the day, I thought, man, I love them for it. But the second thing is this, respect. And this is where it gets a little tricky. Loving God plus respecting God equals fearing God. So why do we respect God? That's an interesting question, right? You ever thought about that? Like, why, why would I respect God? And here's the simple answer, because he is a righteous, holy, and a just God. Whether people want to believe it or not, that is true. He is a just God. He is a holy God. And he is ultimately the judge over everything that goes on in our life. Let me show you a few verses here. Hebrews 12, verse 28 says this. Since we are receiving a kingdom, that's God's kingdom, that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. Why? Verse 29. For our God is a devouring fire. What does fire do? It purifies Fire purifies things. And that's what we're talking about here. God is a just, righteous, holy God. Because of that, (laughs) I have a reverent respect for how he handles things, for how he handles my life, for how he's handled all of history. I have a respect for him. Let's look at at Psalm 7, (laughs) verse 11. Here's another fun verse for today. Psalm uh, 7, 11 says this. God is an honest judge, He is angry with the wicked every day. If a person does not repent, God will sharpen his sword. He will bend and string his bow. He will prepare his deadly weapons and shoot his flaming arrows. Yikes, right? Like that's not one of those verses that you post on Facebook and like, hey, hope you have an encouraging week this week, right? That's not what we're talking about. But let me break this down a little further. This is David writing. And look at how he follows this up a few verses later. In Psalm 7, let's get down to verse 17. He says this. That's all is true, and here's what he says about it. He says, I will thank the Lord because he is just. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. I could get into a different subject here. I'm going to try to just give you the overview. David was under the old covenant. We are under a new covenant. So the last verse we looked at, and God's uh, punishment towards sin, towards wickedness, is true. But here's the blessing of being in the new covenant is though we may sin, though we may fall short, which God's word says that we all do, and God's righteousness says that must be punished, 
Jesus steps in as our mediator and he says, hold on. They put their faith in me and all of God's wrath has been poured out on Jesus. So here's the good news for you. Though you may sin, though you will fall short, though you will mess up, though you may deserve death, punishment, and the the penalty of your sin, God will never punish you for it if your faith is in Jesus. He's a just God. And if God punished you for your sins as a believer, and he also punished another human, Jesus, who was all human, all man, all, all human, all God, if you also punished him, that's not just. One person deserves it. And he poured out all of his wrath where? On Jesus, why? So you could walk free. If you put your faith in Jesus. Why is it so important that we walk and we say, Lord, you, the, you are the Lord of my life. Why is it so important to walk with Jesus? Because I'm gonna mess up. But Jesus loved me so much that he said, I took it. I took all the punishment. I took all the pain. I took all of it from you. Walk free, son. Walk free, daughter. And he says that to you today. If God were to punish two people, he would be unjust in his punishment. Look at Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9. It says this, my thoughts, this is God talking, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Why do I respect God? Number one, he's a holy and he's a righteous judge who deserves my respect. Just as if you go into a courtroom today and you would honor a judge, you would stand when they enter the same way, but in a much greater way would you do it with God, the ultimate judge, but also because his ways and his thoughts are so much higher than mine. Who am I to think that I in my natural human puny mind could compare to the thoughts of the creator of the universe. I will submit to his wisdom, to his will, and to what he has for me because I know I don't know it all. (laughs) And I'll never know it all. And I'll never solve every issue in my life, but I know the one who does. And I respect him and I invite him into my life. So we love God. Why? He first loved us. We respect God because he's a righteous judge whose thoughts and ways are higher than ours. Does that make sense? You with me? Here's point number two. The fear of the Lord requires complete devotion. It requires complete devotion. And this is a big one here. It's, it's, so it's essential. We must have it. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of blessings in our life. It is the beginning of an intimate relationship with God because I know his love and I respect who he is. But it requires complete devotion. In today's world, we're in, encouraged to customize everything, everything, right? In fact, you would often hear people say, who am I to tell you what is right and wrong? Who am I to look at your life and say, that's sin. You can't do that. Who am I to look at your life and say, if you keep living this way, it's going to lead to destruction. If you keep running from Jesus, you're going to, you're going to a place you don't want to go. Who am I to tell you that? Who am I to tell you that you can do that or not do that with your body? Who am I? What we say is, you know, you just do what's best for you. You find your truth and that'll be fine. Your truth doesn't mean anything. There is only the truth, okay? (laughs) Like your truth is false. It's false doctrine is what it is. It's anti-Christ because what I have done is I have made myself the Lord of my life. Rather than, it's not my truth. I'm not in this seat. It's his truth. He's in that seat. 
I've got to make a decision that he is, number one, the fear of the Lord, it requires complete devotion. Okay, and so here's what happens. Because we, this mentality is so rampant in our culture, it creeps into the church and it creates what we call customized Christianity. <laughs> customized Christianity. And you've probably faced this from time to time. I know I have, if I'm being honest. Customized Christianity, where we take parts of God's word that we like, but we overlook or we just don't read the verses that make us uncomfortable. Right? The ones that are just like, step on your toes, like kind of just, you know, is up in your face. The ones that we've, we've read a little bit today, right? The ones that just kind of, oh man, I don't know how, what I think about that. We just overlook those. We take the good and we take the ones that are a little tough and we just kind of put that to the side, right? Like a lot of people will say, well, I'll take the love of God, but I don't want his wrath and un- unrighteousness, right? I want God's mercy, but I don't want his judgment. I want his blessings, but I don't like the whole take up your cross and follow him part. That sounds a little stressful, a little too much for me, right? Like I want God's plan for me. I want his best for me, but I'm not willing to live in sexual purity and honor God with my sex life. I I want things, all things to work together for good, right? Rah, rah, that's good. But I'm not willing to give up alcohol even though it's destroying my family, right? Like we can take the, the good stuff or the stuff that encourages us, but then I don't know about the stuff that requires me to change. And that's dangerous Because we're customizing Christianity. Customized Christianity shows that we believe in God, but we do not fear God. We believe in God, we do not fear God. God's word says it this way. Uh, I think it's in the book of James, he says, he writes that you, you say that you believe in God, that's good. But he says, even the demons believe in God. That's great. It's a good start. But what are you doing with it is the question. What are you doing with it? Let's look at Psalm 36, one through two. It says this, sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. Here it is. They have no fear of God at all. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. This is why the fear of the Lord is so essential to keep in front of us, to have that close relationship with Jesus where you love him wholeheartedly and you respect him so much that you would change anything in your life if it does not align with this. Why? Because we can fool ourselves into thinking, I'm okay. I'm not as bad as that person on the news. I'm not as bad as that family member. I'm not as bad as them. I'm okay. It's easy to look at other people's sins when God's word always reminds us of, hey, have you asked for forgiveness from your sins? Have you repented, which means to change your ways from your sin? It will whisper to you. What is that? It's close and it's sneaky. It will self-deceive you into believing you're okay. Here's what happens. Sin whispers, well, you just do whatever you want. Okay, but the Bible declares it should be less of you and more of God in your life. Okay, sin whispers, as long as you're a good person, you're going to make it to heaven. The Bible declares unrighteous living cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Sin whispers, well, it's your body. Do whatever you want. Hear me. The Bible declares that you are not your own and your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not yours. Sin whispers, well, this is just an old book. It's really not that relevant anymore. There's a lot of sexist ideas and things in here that we shouldn't listen to, so let's just throw it out. The Bible declares that Jesus is the word of God and no one comes to the Father except through him. This entire book is true. If one word is false, then we can throw the whole thing out, but I got good news for you. It's not. It's not. When we read this in context, we apply it to our lives, it changes everything. The fear of the Lord, though, hear me, is not a turn or burn thing. It can seem that way. 
but it's also not a do whatever you want and everything will be fine thing. A lot of times we get into one or, one or the other ditch. I'm a, God's grace covers everything. Religious rules, like I've got to, if I do one thing, if I get one tattoo, I'm going to hell. Two extremes, right? <laughs> Hear me, the justice of God is true, but it's incomplete. The grace of God is true, but it's incomplete. Jesus is what? Grace and truth. He's the perfect middle ground. Does he have grace for your sin, no matter how awful it is? Absolutely he does. But does he have truth for your life that will actually set you free and change your ways? Yes, he will. And is the truth uncomfortable when it's faced and brought to your light and brought to you, brought to, you to change? Yeah. But there's no growth without the stretch. Just like going to the gym. If I go to the gym and I never sweat, never have a little bit of pain, if I don't get sore afterwards, I'm not gaining any ground. Same way spiritually. I should read this. There should be times where it's just like, that was like a good spiritual workout. Like that, I needed that. That kind of hurt a little bit. Like that kind of stretched me a little bit. That's pushing me a little bit. Guess what? Tomorrow and the next day when I apply it to my life, I'm going to be better for it. But what did it take? A little bit of uncomfortable. But we better be okay being uncomfortable if you ever want to see spiritual growth in your life. Are you with me? Amen. John 1.17 says this, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He's the perfect combo of both. He says, I see your sin. He calls it sin. But in the same breath, he says, Now go, I forgive you. Now go and sin no more. Same breath. The last point is this. The fear of the Lord is revealed through obedience. So we've hinted about this through this whole message, but here's the truth. How do I know if I have the fear of the Lord in my life? Where I can say I do, I can say I love God, I can say I respect God, but Jesus requires fruit. He says, he says produce much fruit. The fear of the Lord is revealed through obedience. When I fear the Lord, I will obey him. It's as simple as that. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will keep my word. Here's the tough, here's the tough opposite of that. If you don't love me, you won't do what my word says. Does that mean Jesus stopped loving you? Absolutely not. But my actions reveal my devotion to him. My actions reveal do I fear him and reverently honor him with my life. Again, not for salvation, but once I receive it, what am I doing? Here's a perfect example. It's an example of Abraham. Abraham and his wife, they lived their life, long life. God, we want, we want children. Lord, we want offspring and nothing. She's barren. They get into the old age. Now it's physically, definitely physically impossible. We're not having kids. God comes and he, makes a, and he talks to Abraham, begins to make his covenant with him, the start of it at least. And he says, I'm promising you, you're going to have a child. And so they hang on, and it's not tomorrow they have a kid, but years later they, have a, they finally have a child, the promised child, Isaac. And here's what happens. They get their child, and what does God do? He says, Abraham, I need you to go. I need you to sacrifice Isaac. I need you to kill him. Let me stop there for a second and clarify. God is not in the business of human sacrifice. He's not. He could see Abraham's heart. But again, it goes back to what? God is a just God. And many times we don't think about this. This goes back to covenant talk. I can't get into all of it today. But God is just. He needs the scales balanced. God, if God was going to send his only son 
to die for all of mankind, he had to find a human that would give his only son to die for God to balance the scales. He found one in Abraham. And Abraham goes and he says, I will do it. God stops him before he does it. He was never going to allow human sacrifice. That's not our God. That's why our God is not pro-abortion. It's not about human sacrifice. It's not about killing of other people. But he stops him. And here's what it says in Genesis twenty-two twelve. He said, don't lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now, I know that you fear God. Since you have, withheld, you have not withheld your son, your only son for me. Now, what's amazing is Jesus comes, you know, several years later, and he dies as God's son and as a son of Abraham in the lineage. So God, Jesus completes both sides of the covenant and bounces the scales on both. We won't get into all that today, but our, our God's amazing if you didn't know. But the greatest evidence of the fear of the Lord is complete obedience to God. The greatest evidence of the fear of the Lord. Do I fear God? Am I walking in obedience to him? Not delayed obedience. Okay? Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Any parents in the room? Give me an amen. Come on, somebody, right? Like, I told you now. Go do it now. Not, I'll get to it when I want to. Uh, I don't think so. You're going to do it now, right? Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Partial obedience is still disobedience. Why did this but not that? I'll take this but not that. Stop. What did God tell you to do? If you'll do it, man, his ways are higher. His thoughts are so much greater. Will you trust him that his plan for your life is greater than what you think is best for your life? If you'll do it, man, you will experience life that's unexplainable. Fulfillment that's unexplainable until you get a taste of how good our God is. If you want to know if you fear God, take inventory of your life. Do my words, do my attitudes, do my actions, does my lifestyle, does my social media post, do they honor God and obey him or do they grieve the Holy Spirit? Do they grieve the Holy Spirit? Look at um, Ephesians 4.30, it says this. Do not bring sorrow to or do not grieve God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. That's humbling, right? To think that my heavenly father who's perfect, he's cheering me on and he's watching me every day and he's saying, go for it, you're doing great. But then when I purposefully, knowingly and willingly turn my back on him and do whatever I want, it breaks his heart because he loves you so much. And this is why earlier I said many people believe in God, but they live their life as as if he doesn't exist. Hear my heart in this message. The fear of the Lord is a good thing. But this is one of those topics that if we don't talk about it, you have to understand that in this position, as a pastor, someday I will answer for every word that I spoke from this place. And I cannot get to heaven someday and see you and have you come up to me and say, why did you not tell me? I won't live my life that way. So come in here by church. You might hear some challenging messages from time to time, but hear my heart in it. I'm not here to convict. I'm not here to condemn you or put you down or say you're not a good Christian. I'm here to say God has so much more for you if you'll trust his word. Hear my heart in it. 
The fear of the Lord is not a bad thing, but it's a good thing. It's, it's a righteous thing, full of promises and full of blessings. The fear of the Lord is an ongoing attitude of my heart. And it moves me to choose over and over again to obey God when it would be easier to do something else. It moves me to obey God in my deepest part of who I am when it would be easier to do what everyone else is doing, to do what the world is doing, to walk that way. But I say, Lord, I'm gonna choose to obey you. Choose to obey you. It keeps me saying, Lord, I love you. Lord, I respect you. And therefore, Lord, I reverently fear you and I lay down my life for you to do whatever you wanna do. You are Lord and not me. Show me how I can change. Show me how I can get better. Show me how I can receive more of who you are in my life is what the fear of the Lord. It helps me do that every day. The greatest evidence of the fear of the Lord is complete obedience to him. And in a world of customized Christianity at Abide Church, we will choose to obey all of God's word and honor him with a reverent fear just as the first church in Acts did. Why? Let me remind you of these verses. You don't have to put them up. Proverbs 9, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. True humility and the fear of the Lord, it leads to riches and honor and a long life. That's my prayer. All three of those verses for each individual in this room, everyone listening online and watching this later on, you would experience those things. But it starts with the fear of the Lord. Let's be sold out to him. Let's be sold out to his word and watch how he will show up in our lives. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Thank you for today. God, thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that your word is so true. It's so abundantly clear. Lord, I just pray that your, your Holy Spirit would just begin right now. Go to work in our lives. Would you go to work in our hearts, Lord, to help us receive this word and apply it to our lives. Lord, show us places. If we've fallen into the trap of customizing Christianity, customizing our discipleship, Lord, will you show us things that we need to lay down? Would you show us things that we need to prune out of our lives so that we can walk closer with you? Lord, would you show us things that we can change. And Lord, we just know that you're looking at us with loving eyes, not to strike us down, not to criticize us or, or condemn us, but just to help us get a little bit better, walk a little bit more in your will so that you can provide good things for us to do in the future. You can meet our needs. You can meet us right where we're at. Lord, we humble ourselves and we realize you are God and we are not. We submit ourselves to you and we walk in agreement with to your word. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.